All right. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another Serious Angler podcast powered by our friends over at X2 Power Batteries. And as always, I'm your host, Bailey Egbert, and joined with me is the Capitan, Mr. Andrew Full. What's going on, dude? Nothing. I love my salute every episode. When you say the captain, I'm just like, I automatically have to salute. I just <laughs> want to point that out. And I just realized it. And we're like 300 and what, 40 episodes in or something at this point. Uh, so, yeah, something ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. But this one will be fun. It's you and I, and we haven't done one like this in probably half time. Oh, prob- probably a year. Yeah. It's been like last spring, I think. A I can't remember the last time we've had one where it's just you and I kind yeah. of BSing about some topics. I mean, not that this is going to be BS because we're honestly, in full disclosure, we're kind of going to be unreleas- releasing some some juice that we have in our arsenal and uh, as we try to do periodically. Uh, not that we don't give up great information, but like this is kind of stuff we hold near and dear. But we're like, hey, let's do a unique winter baits episode of how we approach some winter bass. Um, granted, uh, up here, majority of our lakes are locked up, but there are some lakes that are still open. And also, Andy and I both have had experience fishing uh, different areas of the country during the winter time, uh, and that's like quickly becoming my new uh, retreat. Basically, where as soon as hunting season's over up here in the north, and the lakes start like becoming like that mid thirties, high thirty water temps, where it's like you could catch them, but it, it sucks to try and catch them. I, uh, yeah. I, I'm learning that it's more fun to go south, whether you can still, you can sit, you can catch more fish and bigger fish. Yeah. And you, lakes are frozen. you get out of town, man. You've been gone like the last two winters, and I've been just hanging up here in the north, being cold. And oh, you say really that, but you're fishing fish. more than I am, dude. You're like, you're still, yeah, well, but I'm still at fishing. So I'm standing in water that's like <laughs> knee deep, freezing my cojones off and having a riot. But, <laughs> <laughs> that's neither here or there right so yeah yeah but we uh regardless we figured out some uh some good approaches to some winter bass and that's going to be what today's episode is about we're gonna talk through probably two or three bait, uh, baits each and then uh kind of how we approach winter fish how we try to find them that sort of deal and then uh, we're gonna have an extensive episode with a guest on uh more from an expert on finding winter bass um, so again, all episodes really, as you guys are listening to this, because if you're listening to Serious Angler, chances are you're listening because you're trying to learn. So take this information, not as uh, it's, you know, set in stone, but take it as something to think about when you go out the next time and approach fish and put your own twist on it. But yeah. before we get into today's show, we mentioned it on the first episode of the year this past week, our first live stream of 2023. Uh, that apparel is now available. So if you guys want uh, Serious Angler merch, this is from the Bass Boat, uh, Lure Lab, and we also have some Serious Dangler merch coming out. That's kind of more on the fun side, uh, some kind of embracing the fun side of fishing because, as we say, uh, we have Serious Angler, and then we also try to have times where we're not so serious, and the Serious Dangler st- uh, line of things is our avenue to do so. So, uh whether you're watching on YouTube or listening on MP3, we do have our website link. Website's all up and ready to go. If you guys want hats, shirts, hoodies, coffee mugs, whatever the heck, uh, if you're interested in it, uh, feel free to go check that out and uh, order yourself. And a little side note, too. We do have a story up as you're listening to this. It should last if you do listen to this one. It launches in the morning. There's a story on the Serious Angler page right now for our first Serious Dangler shirt that you can vote on which one that you would like to see. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not, that'll probably fall off at like what, noon, two o'clock on Friday. As yeah. So this listening. episode, you know, if you're listening to the same day, you, you know, yeah. are, you'll be able to vote on it. But um, I think chances are we, we might even try to just have both be a shirt. Yeah. But, Regardless of what we're going to try to do with the Serious Dangler side, again, having fun with this stuff is we're going to give you guys some input. And uh, if we have some designs that are kind of like up in the air and we can't decide, we're going to let you guys decide what our shirts are going to be. Um, so, yeah, make sure you're always tuning in to the social media on the Serious Angler Network. And, uh, again, just trying to have some fun. 2023, we're trying to do a whole lot of new things. So Yeah. 
you know, I truly feel like Wilson right now, just peeping over your head. Just, just saying yes. for those watching on YouTube. <laughs> yes. So the, if you're watching on YouTube, there's obviously a new uh, stream layout, and Andy is going and sniffing my head like Joe Biden. <laughs> It'd be better if the nose was just slightly above it, but it's absolutely yeah. hilarious that you get to see the sight masters, which is funny because you know just staring right over your head just... yeah. it literally looks like that that meme that biden meme i meant that in no like political gan like whatever but yeah. like <laughs> it's just funny because i move my head right here it's like literally Andy is sniffing my head right. <laughs> yeah. either way i hope your hair smells good <laughs> i haven't showered today so oh, nasty yeah <laughs> <laughs> Oh, yeah, man, it's been a while since it's been you and I on a, on a yeah, show. Yeah, I agree. Yes, um, yes, yes, yes. One more so. thing before we get into the bulk of today's show is uh, fantasy fishing. We realized this week was like, oh, crap. It's like yeah. a month away. Yeah. Uh, so our Serious Angler Fantasy Fishing Group is up and it's live. If you guys want to join uh, again, we're going to be having live streams before every Bassmaster Elite event. Uh, we have a whole new crew that's going to be on fantasy fishing shows this year. Uh, and you're going to be able to join the live streams and win gift cards, win Hobie eyewear shades, win serious angler merch, stuff like that. We're going to add that into it. And of course we hope you guys join. We're going to be going live on the YouTube channel, Facebook page, etc. So look out for those and then join the uh, fantasy fishing group on Bassmaster. That'll be all linked down below for you guys. Uh, that way you guys can go join and compete and then join us on a live stream and talk crap. <laughs> yeah. Cause we all, we all enjoy that. Yeah. We're going to have a couple surprise. Like, can we announce that yet or no? Well, we kind of no. did, right? No, well, we have Brennan. Brennan. We have Brennan. Yeah. We can't announce our, our last one. Yeah. Just, just, yeah. Yet. Yeah. So as of now we have one surprise guest, but yes. we'll see about the other one. It's, um, it's going to be a fun, fun fantasy fishing season. So that's right. Yeah. I look well, forward to winning this year because I feel like every year I finished second or third so far. So I haven't been last. <laughs> well, this year, I mean, we, we haven't really talked about it, but we I guess we should have I guess we can. If you guys have opinions, feel free to throw them in the comments or DM us on social. But we had a lot of people asking why we just didn't use the simple fantasy group last year in terms of like rankings and keeping keeping score because we did our golf scoring. So, I don't know. I mean, personally, this is just me being emotionally afflicted with how last year went, being that I <laughs> won the group. Yeah, but, but, I but was you lost. Last. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how that math adds up, that I was last in our golf scoring, but I was technically winning on the fantasy fishing, the actual game itself. There's, there's a greater swing of points. Greater swing of points. Like, But, I mean, it might even out if we can somehow get to five people in the group. But then you can have bigger point swings too. So it'll be uh, we'll have to we'll have to do an inter internal debate. But then, but if you guys have any opinions on that, feel free yeah. to throw it. Or if you have a new idea of how we can make things interesting with some more drama, by all means, let it rip. And let us know. But uh, but Andy, winter fishing it is not everyone's cup of tea. Some people mm -hmm. are hunting. Some people have put the boat away, like yourself. At least you have the streams to access, but yeah. like most people, uh, especially in the north, obviously can't fish open water. But like for us, we are fortunate to have some pretty deep glacial lakes that stay open throughout the year. Uh, otherwise, if you live, you know, south of say Pennsylvania, you're going to have some lakes that are open that you can fish year round. Uh, mm -hmm. And there's definitely a good amount of people that fish throughout the winter, uh, but it can be tough. It can be pretty interesting. So uh, I'll let you just. Take it, take it off here. I'll let you start in terms of uh, when temperatures get really, really cold, like we're talking that sub below 40 degrees. Um, I know a lot of your experience is Great Lakes, but where do you usually look to first to try and find fish when the temperatures are frigid? Well, the first thing that I'm going to try to do is find a long point that meets with um, a big flat, like a big tapered out flat, but there's characteristics i like i want usually a creek if i'm on an inland lake dumping in and the creek what it's going to do is it's going to help fluctuate in warmer water on your warmer days 
So if you get a sunny, bright, sunny, warm day, it's going to flush in warmer water into the lake system. And that's going to help your bait fish migrate there. And that would be the first place I target on a warmer, sunny day in the winter. If it's miserable, cloudy, rainy, or snowing, or whatever it is, I'm going to kind of meander down the flat that's off the tapered point and try to find structure and bait fish that's out mm-hmm. there and try to find the bass that are using the transition from the flat to deeper water and feeding and figure out specifically where they're sitting. Winter bass don't move much. They're pretty lethargic. So if you find one, you can usually find a couple with them. It's just getting them to bite is the trick. Yeah, it's very seldom that, like, especially when we're talking offshore or even smallmouth, smallmouth specifically. Like, if you find one, you're going to find many more typically, yeah. especially in the winter months. Largemouth can be completely different in the fact of, like, especially if you have a lot of submerged timber yeah. in a fishery. They can be on their own. As long as they have something to hold to, they feel fine. But like when you have lakes that don't have a lot of, say, submerged cover, uh, the best places typically to look are like find like the biggest one community holes, but two, find like your biggest main lake flats or your main lake points and find the most vertical, the more the steepest dropping uh, inclines you can find. Like, say, if you're looking on Navionics or Lake Master. You know, you you look at the, the the closer the marks are together in terms of the topographical lines, the steeper the drops are going to be. For whatever reason, uh, this is probably a Steve Barden question who we're going to have back on the show here in a couple of weeks. Why do they relate to that such vertical cover as the temperatures get colder? Um, and I'm not even talking like timber. I'm just talking like incline in the bottom composition. And those are great places to look if you don't know where to start. You don't know. You don't have especially if it's a lake you've never been to, right? Where it's like, I don't know where the rock piles are. I don't know if there's submerged timber or brush piles. Um, but like going to a new body of water and just looking from a, from a contour standpoint, the most vertically, you know, descending, like uh, descending the quickest are typically great places to look, especially if they're on bigger flats points. And another point I'll add there too is like if you're on reservoirs, like let's call it like a Cumberland Lake or Dale Hollow, right? Like there are a lot of sheer bluff walls that these steep topographic contours are right against the bank. If you get a sunny day, that's going to warm that shale rock or whatever type of rock that is that's on that bluff wall that hits the water and comes down. That water's going to warm a little quicker. So those fish are always there. And plus bait fish use topographic contours a lot of time because they'll show you the way the river current or the lake current is flowing and it sucks the bait in there so it's a great winter spot when the water's cold for those fish to live yeah i'll agree with that and i fish like chickamauga in December. <laughs> Pardon me. i fish chickamauga in like february i've also fished like nickajack stuff like that and my absolute one of my favorite bites for the winter time is uh, and it, it, it depends on the day, but like typically you're creeping like a flat side and you can burn it some days, but like creeping a flat side. Cause I mean, we're, there's times where Lake Chickamauga has had similar water temperatures, if not colder water temperatures than us in the winter up here for our lakes that are open, believe it or not. And it is awesome to go fish bluff walls on a TVA, like, like Chickamauga with like a flat side. You could even, you could, even if you're getting crazy, you could go throw a glide bait. Um, it is a great time to fish bluff walls, especially when the temps get cold for whatever reason. Again, going back to that, that more vertically, uh, positioned cover, like a bluff wall, uh, I'm kind of butchering <laughs> how do you, how you describe these, these vertical structures, but, um, bluff walls are a great one, especially if you're down like TVA. Uh, I'm trying to think of some other areas, Andy, like maybe Ozarks. Ozarks have them. Uh, Cumberland, Dale Hollow, like a lot of highland reservoirs will actually have bluff walls on them because Mm -hmm. they're basically impoundments on inside of mountains, if you really think about it. So they're way higher in altitude and a lot of mountains, once you get up them, have steep scaled cliffs on them, which ultimately when they flood these highland reservoirs, the water will eventually somewhere most likely bump up against one of these high side rock cliffs. And that's ultimately what a bluff wall is when it connects Mm -hmm. to the water. So Mm -hmm. they're 
I mean, we have a little impoundment here in New York that's not too far from us that has a couple bluff walls on it. So, and it's just a higher altituded reservoir. Yeah, and and kind of speaking on bluff walls, we had a really good episode with Carl Jacobson where he talks specifically about fishing bluff walls. He has a whole jig deal on how he he breaks down bluff walls and how he thinks fish live year long on a single bluff wall. Like they literally that they're native fish, they're going to stay there, uh, and that they just adjust in the water column from bottom to top throughout the year. That's a really interesting episode. So you guys you guys should go check that out. Um, yeah. When it comes to like. I feel like winter fishing from like the Northeast and obviously Midwest doesn't have an open water fishing season uh, because they get so dang cold, but like being beyond further South, I think we, it's fairly straightforward. It can be hard because the fact that fish are so lethargic and especially in a new body of water, trying to find fish when the water is that cold is so difficult because they're not as active. And like when we say finding fish, like there's a lot of times where fish will say, Fish will expose themselves to you when you're trying to locate fish. This is the time of year where they're not doing that. Yeah. It is very hard to find fish, especially – I'll say this is the time of year where it's a great time to have forward-facing sonar, whereas there's times you could be on 2D, looks like there's nothing there, and they'll just magically rise up off the bottom. Mm-hmm. And it's it's hard. It's hard sometimes to find those fish, but even on t- uh, side imaging. it's There's specific times of year, specific cover. Like, you can't see them. It, it could be challenging, but – when you do find them and you, you can narrow down the different locations of where they will be setting up when the water temperatures get cold, you can kind of help, you know, do uh what, what is that? What is it? Uh, multiple choice. What do you call it? When you take out the answers, you know, they're not going to be. Oh, just like canceling out answers. I, I, don't. I can't remember that. I, I I <laughs> Dude, I've been out of school since like <laughs> multiple choice. So, like, let's see, I graduated high school in 2008. And in college, I don't really remember doing too many like on paper multiple choice tests. So I don't remember exactly what the terminology is. Oh, we sound is, like but... such dummies right now. Oh, yeah. Because but... it's like there's a terminology for, uh, so not terminology. There's a term for like when you're on a multiple choice and it's like A, B, C, D, and you get rid of A and D because you know it's definitely not those. Yeah. But I feel it like could I should be phone B mom. And C. Like, mom, yeah. the meatloaf. Mom, the meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> but i I hope i hope that makes enough sense of what we're trying to say where it's like you know this time of year there's definitely areas and especially like from a tennessee standpoint a tva or even a reservoir the water levels are going to be dropping so there's less water for them to be at Mm -hmm. you're able to get rid of some areas and focus on specific things it's a little bit easier in terms of keying in on areas and then it's just kind of putting through a regime of presentations to see what works but I, I, hopefully that makes sense to people. <laughs> <laughs> makes sense to me. That's all that matters. I'm just kidding. But <laughs> well, if it makes sense to Andy, <laughs> <laughs> it might not make sense to many, but it makes sense to me. So it's sure. fine. We'll roll with it. Yeah. Well, dude. Um, so let's start talking a little bit about like more unique baits because that's kind of the preface of this episode is like unique ways to approach fish, uh, more from a, a bait and technique standpoint. So if you want to kick us off, so. One of my favorite baits to throw in the winter months, and I have so, not a bunch, but I have like, as we're sitting here talking, right? Like, I'm like, oh man, I should have brought this bait up or like, crap, I should have brought that one up because I have quite a few here in the Northeast and New York specifically that I truly love when the lakes just thaw and the water temps like 36 to 45 degrees but the first one that i will probably throw if i can find bait fish on one of a point or on a big flat will be an underspin and you know your terminology of counting rocks right just kind of tipping so it's pulse fish lures med airy spinning pj underspin as bailey has pulled up here but the whole thing is i'm not truly retrieving it just on a steady retrieve i actually want it Hitting the bottom, I'm going to throw a Kitek kind of like a 3.3 or 3.8 because it's ultra soft and it wiggles really well in that cold water. But the whole point is just to slowly just like literally remove your reel handle as slow as possible and keeping contact with that bottom. And with those super lethargic fish, 
you could get away with doing it with a normal swim bait, but I really like the blade because it omits that just slightly more flash and makes more noise on the bottom. And when you hit a rock, you can literally just sit there and shake it and like hop it over that rock. And that blade is going to be slapping the body, slapping the head, hitting the rock. And as it falls down over that rock, that's usually when you get your bite on it. It's like a three minute, four minute cast, just literally creeping it on like a seven, one to one reel or seven, two to one. And the thing that I'll tell you is when a fish eats it, if you set the hook, like if you jam them, you're going to rip it right out of their mouth. Cause they're not really getting it good. You just need to keep reeling and just slowly turn because there's. You muted yourself. <laughs> oh, for a hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> if, if you hit them hard, you're going to pop it out of their mouth because they're mm-hmm. just so lethargic. So you just want to reel. If when you feel that thump, just reel and lean with it. That's the biggest thing I can tell you. Just constant pressure and keep coming They're they're not going to fight very hard, but they're going to be pinned perfectly almost every time in the top to the corner of the mouth. Yeah, it's almost kind of like when you're sitting <laughs> for people that like when you're sitting there in your chair and you try to like you twist to like yeah. stretch your, your your spine type of deal. It's exactly like that. Just slow to the side, almost like sweeping like you're cranking. Yep, exactly. It just you want like a medium action rod, something a little bit longer, like a seven five, seven six medium action you probably get away at the 7.3. But the reason why is you're throwing it on like 8, 10, 12-pound test, and you're not using the rod really to set the hook. You're using the rod to just lean and keep pressure. And mm-hmm. it's important to have an underspin with an extremely sharp hook and a thin-wired hook so it pins them to the top of the mouth so they just don't come off. So what about you, Bailey? What's your first one? It's one where we've we've talked about it a little bit on the show more specifically we've talked about it when we had gary klein on um and gary talked extensively about this bait we'll have to uh to link the episode down in the description for you guys so you can go take another listen at that show with gary gary dropped obviously gary being gary dropped a lot of knowledge on us but uh is a bait that i've come to trust not even just here in new york or in the midwest for walleye or smallmouth but even in florida Florida and Texas, this thing catches them, and especially when it gets tough. Um, there was time we did a trip in Florida, and the fish were not eating jigs. They weren't eating uh, – They weren't really eating anything, right? Anything. Yeah, I mean, that's the way they described it. They weren't eating A-rigs. Gary threw out a snap jig and caught 15 in a row. Uh, <laughs> if that, there's a time and place where this thing can work, and that is a Berkeley Fusion 19 snap jig. It's a weird-looking bait, to be honest. So it catches really- big. Smallmouth, I'll tell you that. <laughs> it does catch big smallmouth. <laughs> catch big walleye. It's a, it's a fish yeah. catcher. Um, it's one that is kind of like it was designed originally for walleye, but they realized soon that, you know, if it catches walleye, smallmouth are pretty stupid, so they'll follow suit. Uh, but they also realized it catches largemouth. Um, and one thing that's cool about it, obviously, you can go from super light to super heavy on this thing. And it's a very simple bait. Think of it almost as I want to see if I could pull up this image here to give people that are at least watching on YouTube a better look at it. It's essentially your normal jig head. Uh, your it's got a pointed nose to it, uh, but then if you could see uh, right here, it has essentially like a almost like wings, as almost like a fighter jet, if that makes any sense. Where it comes off to the side on the underbelly, and what that does when you cast this bait out, it comes down to the bottom. Uh, I learned from Gary, uh, you can put on like flat nose minnows, fluke style baits. Basically, you want the tail to be less action, the better, because it allows that bait to wobble. And we're going to get to why that's important here in a second. Uh, but I use little generals on the back. You could use any sort of Ned bait, something that's very simple. Um, you allow that bait to hit bottom. And essentially what you do is you don't, you think of it kind of almost like as fishing a blade bait, but just not as, as a violent of a rip. You can just do a slow lift up, just one small rod pull up, like vertical, straight 90. Uh, and what that bait will do is it'll jump up, and then it'll shimmy and rock back down, essentially kind of like a lipless, just not as intrusive. Uh, and that's a really cool uh, presentation to these fish because it's very subtle. Now, you can 
uh, do on the back here, on the bottom, obviously there's a small ring here where you can add a blade, like Annie just talked about with like an underspin. You can add a couple things to make this a little bit interesting, but I, I've never done that. I've never had to. I've never actually really just tried it. Um, but one thing that's cool about this too that Gary talked about was if you with the lighter ones, you can actually get really crazy with this thing. Not saying you do this in the winter, but you can you can rip your line like a jerk bait and it'll walk side to side subsurface, which hmm. is kind of nuts. But in the winter time, this is something that's completely different to these fish. Where you, a lot of people uh, that fish the winter time uh, know what blade baits are. They know spoons. They know things like that. Um, this might be one something that these fish haven't seen before, and it's again super easy to fish. Uh, and it's got the hook on it's great, uh, and the fact that like Andy talked about how these fish in the winter time. You kind of got to think about these fish being super sluggish when they eat. The nice thing about this, they're pinned. It's a super, especially when you have like a small Ned bait on it, you don't have to really worry about or think too much about hook set mm. with this one. So, but it's effective. And Andy and I can both attest to uh, the effectiveness yeah. of a snap jig. All right. It's fun when you're, mm-hmm. you come back down and all of a sudden you go to lift and your rod just loads. You're like, oh gosh. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was so, the one thing with my, full-time job but unfortunate to be talking to the people that make these baits with berkeley but and i've always been curious is like you're not snapping this bait you know like what to tr- get that effectiveness of fishing on the bottom you're not really snapping it so i was always kind of curious why they called it the snap jig it's more like your the lift jig <laughs> the rise jig like I yeah it's great but, yeah it's great. what about you what's your what is your second application Ooh, so this one is way more smallmouth specific for me, especially like sub 40 degrees, but I have caught largemouth on it. And basically, like, it's the same thing on Great Lakes. You're targeting big flats with it, but you want sand and gravel. On largemouth lakes, you're looking for gravel or rock around weed beds. And that is a Get Bit Baits tube jig. Um, this color specifically in roadkill, this bag used to be full because when I buy them, I shove them all in one bag to save me spots. I like to leave, keep all my tubes in bags. And then we pour our own jig heads with the tube jig mold from Do It Molds and put in there. But the biggest thing that I do is when I'm throwing a tube, um, I'm not hopping it. I'm not dragging it. I'm literally casting it in a spot. And Mark Zona put out an episode about like cracking a tube, but you literally, you want to throw it on fluorocarbon, like a seven, six or seven, three medium to medium heavy rod. You have to cast it to your target and you literally sit there and shake it on slack line and you'll just feel it get taut. Even in like one straight floral, are you talking leader to floral? Straight floral. Straight floral. You have to do it on straight floral. If you use braid, it'll make that bait slide like slide forward because mm. there's no stretch with the fluoro you get a little bit of like re- basically like snapback so when you sit there and shake on the slack line your bait will sit still and mm. just kind of quiver in that one spot and it's a great way to get lethargic fish to um eat it but the big thing i'll do is um when i'm sitting and shaking a spot i'll put some like gel on it there's smelly jelly potsky fire gel um Mega Strike makes a good one that I used to like, uh, Liquid Mayhem, but it has to be crawfish flavored. like, And that helps a lot, one, with putting the tube jig head in the soft tube. You need a really soft tube to make it work effectively. Um, but that stops your tube jig head from tearing up the tube as you put it in. And also as you sit there and shake it in place, it creates like a centrail if there's any natural current in the water and brings the fish to your tube. But roadkill, green pumpkin are pretty much the only two colors you need. Why do they call it roadkill? I don't know. It's um. Let me pull it out. It's for those who are not familiar with like a roadkill colored tube. It's like a weird mix between melon and green pumpkin. I don't know if you can see it really well, but it's got like a yellowish green chartreusey hue to it. But it's and translucent it's just a very weird color they just like it hmm. like i don't really have any explanation why they call it roadkill but well when you catch them <laughs> yeah makes sense yeah i mean it could be because like you know a festering deer on the side of the road cooked in the sun may turn that color or something but 
it's like a weird olive drab. It's just it's like an in between color. It looks really mm. good in the water. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I got. I'll look up the story on why they call the color roadkill. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's one. Some folks like when you think about a tube. A lot of people just think, "Oh, you're just dragging it." Or a tube can be relatively versatile. Yeah, the biggest thing is I don't want to drag it that much. Literally, like I'm very specific in spot casting into like a gravel or shell bed along weed edges, and you just sit there and just ever so slightly shake that rod tip, and you want that fluorocarbon on a big slack line, and you're just sitting there shaking it. And that tube just slowly flutters in place because nothing's moving fast. And when it's winter time, you want to either be fishing so slow that it's painful and you want to be a really good sightseer and watch everything else that's going on around you before you get bit. Or you want to be fishing really fast in cold water and get like a reaction bite. There's never really anything in between that works, hmm. in my opinion. It's either super slow or way too fast for the water temp. And they eat it really good. Like, <laughs> let the fish tell you. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think one thing to preface to before we carry on is if any of the baits that we're talking about are on Omnia Fishing, we will link them in the show notes for you guys, whether YouTube MP3. Um, that way, if you want to get them and get uh, save some money on those baits, uh, you can do so. Our discount code for this year is remaining as serious 10. Uh, and that applies to every order you want to make 10% off your whole order. But we uh, have for this year, it's called serious first. The discount codes are in our description uh, for all of your first orders with us. If you're new to the show and it's your first time ordering on Omnia fishing with our, our code, you can use serious first spelled out capital serious first. Um, and that'll get you 15% off your first order. And then everything else after that, you can use series 10. So, um, if you're looking for any of the baits we're talking about, they're in the descriptions, feel free to go check them out. But, uh, my second one, uh, Andy is one that, uh, people attribute it to like your ledge fishing. Uh, it was very popular at Kentucky Lake. Um, there's a few that I like, but one that's just relatively versatile, um, uh, is a scrounger. More specifically, Fine. there's a hog farmer. Uh, this is the hog farmer hog, wob hog wobbler. Um, Sitting half five times fast. Hog farmer. Yeah, yeah, okay, I'm not even going to try and embarrass <laughs> myself. Um, <laughs> obviously, I mean, we're looking at it, you know, these, these can range from very small weights uh, and go all the way up to ounce, ounce and a quarters. Um, as you can see on this one that is on Omnia Fishing, there's a few different ones I use, but Essentially, the point is with a scrounger is it's like a very subtle presentation. Um, and what it does is it's almost like a, a a downed version of like where a chatterbait with a, a bladed jig, what the essentially what a bladed jig does with that pulse, the fish being able to feel that blade knocking back and forth. A scrounger essentially is doing that, but on a very smaller scale, something a little bit more subtle. Um, I'll throw like a, a strike King blade minnow on the back of this or any fluke style bait. One thing I like doing is the, um, strike King makes a, oh gosh, I think it's the caffeine shad. It's like that bulbous tail on it. Uh, it's like a bulbous tailed fluke. That's a really good one on it where it's just a very subtle tail action. Uh, and this one is, it's a super easy bait to throw. I mean, it's, it's very similar to. Uh, the way that I fish this essentially in colder water is similar to just like creeping a swim bait. It's just had a little bit different uh, presentation to it being that it has that, uh, that scrounger lip on the front. Um, you can fish it like a scrounger, like you normally would where you go and you really fast and you let it kind of tight line back or let it just fall on its own um, and being very aggressive with it. And I think again, it comes back to this conversation we're talking about with the tube where it's, you got to let the fish tell you, but, um, you can tell typically, you know, especially if you're versed, well versed in technology of how those fish are reacting. Uh, the last thing you want to do is put one of these in front of a fish and, you know, make it go crazy and scares them all off. So usually what you want to do, and this is something we actually picked up from our episode, buddy gross was starting subtle, like in, in terms of like what he does when he, especially when he fishes ledges, he starts with a football jig, something that's not in their face you know, going crazy, loud noises, aggressive, 
Um, so it's a kind of, and then he works up to a crankbait where I'm talking about this is like, I would start subtle, get this on bottom, start just slowly reeling it. You know, when you feel a rock, hold it in place, then pop it free, keep slowly reeling it. And that, what that, that subtle trailer is going to do is just have a small little kick at the end, something super, super subtle. Uh, and then if you see there's kind of interest in it, you can always change it up. You can go, you know, get a little faster with it or get aggressive in terms of your fast real exchanges, that sort of thing. But scrounger is a fun one. And I mean, Andy, you've seen it go to work on 38 to 42 degree water up here. Oh yeah. I've, I've got small mouth on the scrounger probably like eight to 10 years ago. Um, actually bought some after the Sabine event. Cause if I remember correctly, Aaron Martins was pitching around like a fluke style bait on a scrounger around some weed, like reeds on Sabine River. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. So I tried it one spring up here for smallmouth. And I was actually dragging a scrounger with like a, I don't know, with a Kytec on it and caught some fish on it. But yeah, you you waxed me with that dang thing that one day. That was fun. Yeah, we, that day we almost had 29 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, we didn't, didn't catch the biggest ones of the day, but it caught it caught two over five. Yeah, it was a good day. Yeah, I mean, I caught fish on a chat. What did we catch about? We caught on a chatterbait, scrounger, bait was the, the swim MVP. bait, fritz side, a trap, uh, football jig, and a spinnerbait. We caught them literally on everything that day. It's it, it's spring in New York, though. Like, yeah. but granted, that was early spring. That's yeah. like it was forty two degree water. Like yeah. it was it was cold. Um, but it's also like if that was on the verge of what some people call KVD season. Yeah. Oh, it was definitely KVD season that day for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, yeah. All right, so uh, do you have a third one? Yeah, I'm torn. So I guess I'll do two, and they're not really unique baits, and they're kind of unique to the way I fish the one of them, and that's a football jig, like. Mm-hmm. Guys want trailers that have absolutely no action in the wintertime, and I actually go the exact opposite. I like um, like this a beast coast, open water, uh, like a smallmouth football head with no weed guard. But I have a pocket chunk on here. And the reason for my thought process is almost never in the winter do they eat it on the drop. It's when you contact something. So I want a trailer that has more action to it, because as I'm slowly dragging it and I hit that rock or I count a rock and I kind of just shimmer it over top, instead of having something that has no action to it, those little tails are always constantly just flicking enough in that cold water that it can honestly get you a couple more bites. So like the two jig trailers I use is a pocket chunk and like this is a black open water jig, a pocket chunk and summer crawl because you want that different contrasts in color or uh striking rage chunk and green pumpkin or summer craw. Like those are, I don't know why I just love the contrast in the black jig to that summer craw trailer. And it just catches a ton of fish for me, not just in the winter time all year round. It's like every- a lighter green, right? That's yeah. It's summer. like, it's like a green pumpkin top. I wonder if I have one up here. I might not. Essentially it's like, it's like a green pumpkin on top, watermelon but- on bottom. Watermelon, it's like a watermelon shirt trucy on the bottom, and it's just the contrast on it. It's hard to see here in the light, but the contrast of it on a black jig really pops well, and I think that helps you get a few more bites in the wintertime. That is a little munchy looking guy right there, I'll tell you what. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, so but then like Queen Tackle as well has a the finesse peanut jig. Which I'll put like uh, missile baits, net bomb on, or like just a three inch or a four inch Senko type bait to really just really take down the action. The reason why you do that is the salt content in that stick bait that's on there. It doesn't look like it's doing anything, but it literally quivers so well on the back of that jig that helps mm-hmm. you get bites when it bumps into stuff. So two yeah. entirely different trailers. They serve the same purpose in a way. I just, when I'm fishing a football jig, 99% of the time, I'm trying to imitate a crawfish on the bottom. Crawfish are out all year round. People, Some people think they go away when the water gets below a certain degree. 
But I can tell you from steelhead fishing and walking creeks, I see them when the water's 32 and a half degrees crawling around in rocks. They're still out. So bass are going to eat them. <laughs> it's all a lie. <laughs> it is all a lie. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So that is a good one. Um, and that is the that's the open water sniper. Yeah. Yeah. I like that with the new weed guard deal. I've always like used finesse football jigs with the Queen Taco one and such for so long. And we were talking internally a while back of like apparently I was just not I was not clued into like when you're just fishing like rock piles and stuff like that. You don't need a weed guard. So I just kept my weed guard on there. And I remember Deacon one time was like, dude, why is your weed guard on still? I was like, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) I love it. So no, actually like as we jump forward here next Saturday, uh, we will have a new episode on the lure lab and we're literally talking winter jig fishing with Jake Boomer from Alpha Angler. And he talks about why, it is important not to have a weed guard in the winter time. So hmm. you will want to check out that episode. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. That'll be a good one. Um, all right. So my last one, I'm sticking on the chain of jigs here is the beast coast hustler hybrid finesse jig. That thing looks wicked. Yes. Uh, it's one that I'm going to say is unique. Um, because when we talk about jigs and a jig to the average angler is not very unique. A jig is very universal. A jig is classic. Everyone has them. Everyone throws them. Everyone's got a bunch of them. Um, I might have one right there's here. definitely some unique ways to throw a jig and the, the deal with this one for our MP3 listeners is, uh, as, <laughs> uh, yeah, there you go. You got the hair on it. Yeah, it's got the the marabou, so yeah. that, that thing's wicked. So, yeah, for f- folks that are listening, you can't see. Essentially, it is a finesse jig with your skirt, but added on top of that skirt is hair, like your marabou hair. Um, and that's it's combined with that. And what I do is with this one, I put like a small Ned bait on the back. So I went on the flip side of what Andy was talking about, and this is reinforces our point at the beginning of like take our words as not as like a set in stone anything. This is just what we do. We find what works and then add your own twist on it. Feel free to take it or ignore us. Tell us we're idiots. It's all fine. It's um, all good. It's all good. Um, but what I do is I have a Maxent little general on the back. And what that is for folks who may not know, it's just a small Ned bait. So you have your sp- uh, small finesse jig. So when this is sitting up in the water column, all this does is that bait's sitting here. You have your skirt flaring, you have your hair that's flaring and moving on its own, and then you have your Ned bait that's just slowly rocking back and forth. Dude, you know what? This would crush fish on. If we lived on a highland reservoir like Lake of the Ozarks, there's always fish on docks, right? Like, this reminds me of an amazing cold water dock bait, like a dock jig, because you can literally sit it on the bottom and what marabou does in cold waters it undulates really well and just sits there and naturally dances yeah you don't need a bait you don't need a trailer you don't even you honestly probably don't even need a trailer that one thing i would say is i wish there was a little bit more marabou to it because then you would get even more Mm -hmm. really subtle and puffy action out of it and marabou really will help slow the fall of this jig down as well so because it catches water so well right but yeah this is it's a great choice for cold water. A mm-hmm. great, great choice. I'm yeah, I mean, this this our buddy, like, speaking on the the marabou, like the hair deal, uh, our buddy Benjamin Nowak, one of his things is taking a hair jig, and he's talked about this on our show. Um, it takes just a simple hair jig, one that you, you'd see people up for smallmouth that are like reeling high in the water column, and he throws it like a Ned rig. Yeah. And it's times where it outfishes a Ned rig because of the hair aspect. So it's something different to think about um, this time of year where a lot of people are throwing a spoon, like a small spoon, or they're throwing a Demiki rig, or they're throwing a blade bait, where these different approaches, they, they don't change too much in terms of where you fish. It's just kind of your application and how you can approach these fish. Something different that they see, because this is probably the toughest time of year to catch them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's still a chance time this, this time of year to catch a freak giant. It's, it's not as 
easy to do. It's very hard to do, but uh, you can still have really good days in the water, especially because now, like, especially when you get co- towards the late winter, um, these fish are blimps. They are so fat. Uh, and it's, it could be, it's a fun time to catch them because they're, they're, when they do get to eat, they eat and they eat good. So definitely got to throw some different applications their way, but this is some unique stuff to do to, I, if, I if the norm isn't working. I know mine weren't that entirely unique. It's just the way I fish them. I feel like it's a little bit different than the status quo, but that's bass fishing. It's all about confidence. So you can take an ordinary bait and fish it entirely different than somebody else. And that's a unique presentation to that class of bait. Mm -hmm. So just kind of take what we do and use it to your advantage and experiment with it. If it's something you've never tried. Let us, let us know if any of these work, especially for folks that are still out in the winter fishing. If you are, we salute to you because it's been cold the past couple weeks. Um, I, for one, am fingers crossed the weather doesn't change, but going out Sunday, mm. try to get catch my first bass of 2023. 20, That's the goal anyway. If not, we're going to ditch them for some lake trout and bring home some food. Yeah, uh, We all know lake trout are dumber than smallmouth, so those should be easy to catch. This time of year on some of the Finger Lakes are probably living in the same spots, too. Yep, exactly. So. <laughs> exactly. Um, mm. So hopefully that happens and we could put out a video and be the fish because it's been a couple of weeks it's hard it's hard to place to make content up here when the, none of the lakes are open you can always yeah. go steelhead fishing with me yeah no. no it's not that bad i got work to do <laughs> it's not that bad we just might <laughs> we might walk six to eight miles in a day so that might be what scares you man eh, doesn't scare me I don't have the time for it. Like I don't know why it's so it's so busy the past few weeks. No, you're which is good. not even like the busy season, which is nuts. But it's just been uh, traveling for the holidays and stuff like that. So hopefully, everyone else has all gotten a chance to uh, settle down from the uh, Christmas and New Year's festivities. Uh, oh. People are looking forward to some uh, NFL playoffs, some college football national championship on Monday. Hopefully you guys are fishing this weekend. If you are, let us know. Tag us in the in your photos. DM us. Let us know if you caught any fish on these baits. Let us know if you tried anything that we talked about here today. Um, but Andy, tomorrow, Lure Lab. What can Lure Lab. Oh, that's going to be a fun one. Um, we talk about a technique in a lure that was, that was originated on Dale Hollow Lake with uh Caleb Bell, we break down the float and fly. And uh, he drops some juice on some of his favorite baits on what he wants to do. And a little bit of uniqueness there compared to like the status quo. So, um, and we dove into what jigs to use, what baits to use, rod reel line setup, where to fish it, and how he approaches catching bass on the float and fly. It's a really good one. So, I that'll am be on Saturday morning. Yeah. Convinced. By the float and fly. There was there was one day I was out on Chickamauga with Caleb in a community hole. And I threw a jerk bait, a swim bait, an Okashira head. Uh I threw well, I was through a jig, I threw a glide bait, I threw a I threw the whole kitchen sink at these fish. And I was catching some, this bobber. I was catching a couple, you know, like two pounders, and but it was a lot of like dinks, if anything. And I swear, Caleb in this dang float and fly. Four pounder, four pounder, three pounder, catches a freaking eight pounder in front of me on the dang thing, and then just completely waxes me. Like he is boating. I mean, this is like if you like to just straight up catch fish too, like this is a fun technique because he's catching. We had a, a crappy fish fry after this day. Like he was catching everything that swim. Um, so it, it's a fun technique. It's really effective, especially on schooling fish. Um, or fish that are suspended or fish that are targeting bait that's super, super small. It's a really effective technique. Yeah, there's a few places that I want to try it in New York. And I'm like, I think it would work here. He caught a six-pounder on St. Clair with it, if that says anything, when they weren't catching much oh, yeah. of anything over four. It <laughs> works. It just works. Dumb. <laughs> he's, he's learned it and learned it good. That's for sure. Yeah. But uh, for folks uh, tuning in today, again, um, if you guys remember in the introduction, we talked about apparel. If you guys want any apparel from Serious Angler Network shows like Lure Lab, Business for the Mass Boat, Serious Angler, et cetera, 
um, that is now available. Website is in the show description. Uh, feel free to check it out. If you want apparel, copy some. We're going to be adding more to it, especially on the series Dangler side for some fun shirts. And we'll make sure to uh, fill you guys in on when those drop. So yep. beyond that, join our fantasy fishing group, especially if you play. Uh, go compete against us, talk crap, join our live streams that are coming up here in a little bit. And uh, tune in to Lure Lab. Uh, Bishop of the Bass Boat is dropping on Monday. Um, I believe Deacon uh, has an episode coming for you guys. I don't want to spoil the guest name because I don't know if it's 100% yet. But look out for that on Monday morning. Tuesday night of next week, we're going live with Zach Burge. Zach Burge oh, is coming on. And it's going to be it's gonna be a heck of a lot of fun to get him on. Um, and then Friday's show is up in the air. We're trying to get a guest for that. Uh, we had a couple that had uh, scheduling issues, but we'll get an episode up for you guys in a week. But uh, looking forward to seeing everybody on Tuesday Night Live for Zach Bird. Yeah, yeah it's going to be a good one. Come hot with the questions. He mm-hmm. um, It looks like he has a lot of new sponsors for 2023, so I think it would be cool to kind of dive into that as well for him. So we'll see. Yeah, I'm excited just to talk to him because he seems like a very straightforward doesn't need a lot of practice. I'm going to go figure him out and super confident fisherman. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun talking with Zach. So as always, folks, appreciate you guys. And we will see you guys next week. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.